And we are back in your feed for another episode of Me and My Gorgeous Husband. Once again, I'm Austin's sex-positive, straight-friendly therapist, Adam Marr. Today, I'm recording this part of our show on my phone because our producer, Mariah, has the flu, and I've been too good to miss Santa this year. In this episode, Mashan and I will discuss the importance of knowing what cocktail you are. Plus, we have an interview and game of fetish or not a fetish yet with fellow therapist Summer Porlacani. And we will wrap everything up this week with the discussion of why taps on Grinder are the lowest form of human communication. Let's do this dang thing. If you could be a cocktail. Yes. What kind of cocktail would you be? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think... Ooh. I think I would be a... A banana s- daiquiri. Oh, my Just God. <laughs> That's Clary. Get out of here. That's your mom. <laughs> I'm always like, why does it smell so fruity in here? No, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just making fruit drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I would be a French 75. Oh. Right? Like, you get some liquor, you get some champagnes. That's how French people say it, right? No. But yeah, how do um, you say it, Michelle? Uh, champagne. How do French phones ring? Drang, drang. <laughs> <laughs> what does a French horse say? Oh, I don't, I can't remember. They do have different onomatopoeias. Is that what those are? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I wish I knew though. Lene. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Nope. I think so. I'm going to look up French onomatopoeias. Yeah. I once went to the DMV and the person who helped me. Was named Lene? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. That's and I said, where did you get that name from? And she's like, funny story. No, you're my this mom's all French, lie. and she loves horses. You do love French 75s. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so it makes sense. It all comes back to that. What about yourself? I was going to make you a basil pineapple martini. Oh, why is that? I don't know. You like pineapple a lot, I and do. you like vodka. I do. And gin. Yes. And those are both martini things. Yeah. And then basil's kind of fancy. Yeah. You can come off as a fancy bitch. <laughs> I got people fooled. So <laughs> it all makes sense. It's a little more sophisticated than the Applebee's banana daiquiri. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think they sell that. You're, you're a well drink. Yes. $2.99, you call it. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Which cocktail would you be? Um, I think I would probably just be something straight up. Yeah, likely vodka. Honey, I've been with you for almost 11 years. Ain't nothing about you straight. <laughs> vodka straight up. Something simple. I don't need anything mixed. But you'd be something like delicious vodka. Yeah. I could be a Reka. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> is that Or a Swedish? Kettle One. It is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Kettle I, One, no, if you're listening. Icelandic. Oh, okay. What Kettle One, if you're listening, we are looking for sponsors. Yeah. So. <laughs> Today's episode of Me and My Gorgeous Husband brought to you by Kettle One. We're already drinking it. (laughs) Yeah. And today we are interviewing a colleague and friend of mine, Miss Summer Polakani. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pick up my jaw. You called me a friend. That was so nice. I I don't want you to get too close. Okay. You're a friend I keep at arm's distance. (laughs) Summer, we've known each other for a very long time. Five years, exactly. Yeah, I think in Austin time, that's like, it's like dog years. <laughs> like 35? Yes, I had to do math in my head. <laughs> Humiliating. 
Uh, we met when we were in supervision together. Yeah. And that actually, it'll be five years next month yeah. when I started. Whoa. Holy shnikes. And I just followed you everywhere after that. Yeah. Well, what was <laughs> funny was we would do group supervision together, and I would show up, and I was the only male person and the only really openly probably kinky, more monogamous queer person. And uh, you slowly came out in that process <laughs> of being around my orbit of queer, kinky, more monogamy-ness. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I had a choice because you straight out called me queer one time. And I remember being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> who's Good to be what? direct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of have that effect on people. I'm all like, oh, do you, do you realize you're queer? <laughs> yeah. You're like, how do you feel about being both brown and queer? And I was like, um, wait, say the second part again? Like. Just yeah. totally threw me back, and then I was like, "Oh, yeah, I think so." Yeah. <laughs> so, like in five years, you've become a little bit more open to identifying this way. Mm-hmm. What's that been like? Um, I really like not having to hide any part of myself. I think that was so. I no, won't get off on that. But I went to Burning Man recently, and I think a lot of people find that so life changing because they can be radically authentic. And I was like, "Oh, this is like." All the time for me, though. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that, there's no big change here. It, yeah. I, oh, I think you were part of this, too. We did a SAR together, right? <laughs> yeah, the worst mm. moment of my life in that oh, workshop. Yeah. yeah. But the opening of that workshop, yes. we did an exercise where we had to write down a sexual fantasy we have never told anyone. <laughs> and then we pulled them out and read them aloud. So you just read whoever you pulled out. And some of them were such sweet, sweet things. They were adorable. They're... I know mine wasn't, and I remember you knowing which one mine was, but I don't remember what I wrote. Yeah. It was probably something about, like, 50% pain. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised. But I remember, like, one was like, have a three-way. And I was like, this is so precious Cute. to me because I'm such a freaky broad. Yeah. And I tell everyone everything <laughs> and show pictures of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Summit, you're a sex-positive therapist here I in am. Austin. What do you like to work with? What do you do? Well, um, I do work with you know, most of the same people that you do as far as... Um, we share clients, for yes, sure. Yes, that too. Um, but, like, sex therapy, specifically more the area of non-monogamy or um, people who are wanting to explore BDSM. Um, I do work with clients who are, like, recovering from infidelity or trust betrayals and you know, health issues. So it's kind of all, all across the board. Yeah, I was going to say, you know a lot about, like, dating and sex when you're living with a disability. Yeah, or the very lack of sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Michelle. Silence. Oh, I was going to pull you into the conversation here. I did, yeah, how? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I'm listening. Do you remember when uh, Summer and I used to do sex nerd trivia together? Yes. In the birth of Chad Hitachi? Uh, no, that? I do not remember this <laughs> at all. You know, Summer, do you want to talk about Chad Hitachi? I was thinking about how to prepare for this moment that yeah. I knew was coming, <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't remember exactly where it started. I remember sending you a photo of what was considered you know, later to be known as Chad Hitachi, but I don't remember if that's where it started or I've sent you that photo because you had already gotten down that path of... No, I think you had told me you were having a sad time <laughs> and you had a body pillow. Uh, yes. <laughs> and you were, like, hugging it. 
Okay, so <laughs> when you've been with someone and lived with someone for over a decade, yeah. it is nice to get, like, you know, body pillows or, you know, five-foot-long pregnancy pillows. No big deal. And, like, it really helps you, f- like, feel less alone at night. <laughs> no. no, that makes sense. You should be married to Mashad. It's very very much like living on your own. <laughs> we, like, touch fingers, and he's like, that's enough. I've yeah. had... I mean, you know, everybody has limits. <laughs> that's all the human contact I can stomach for today. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I remember you telling me about the body pillow, and I was like, oh, do you put your Hitachi in there? <laughs> Yeah, because one of them was like this big U shape that was a five foot long one. I could put it around my neck and then it just like barely touched the floor. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And spent a lot of money on that one. <laughs> but oh, putting the yeah. Hitachi in between. She's a size queen, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> but the the body pillow definitely came up a lot during trivia um, in your yeah, ways to support me, I'm sure. Because we named it Chad Hitachi, was yeah. your boyfriend. Yeah. And Why he, Chad? Because you know, girl, we had to come up with a name. Okay. <laughs> I I think I'm the only person in this room that does not know what a Hitachi is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Mar- they were born. Mar- 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 Mariah's face. <laughs> does this just thing, does it vibrate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey. They came out on my birthday. So every birthday since finding out that very, like, adorable fact i'm like where's my gift like oh. so it was originally it was a personal massager made by this japanese company oh. and it comes to find it out people are using it to massage a different area of their body i think that's what all massagers are for well this company was particularly conservative and so they decided that they would sell their business because they could not oh i believe it was stomach. japan yeah. Also, yeah they could not stomach the idea of like selling sex toys and another oh. company bought it and they're like Hitachi, and it is like Interesting. the vulva's best friend. Also, yes. every time y'all said Hitachi, I was thinking hibachi, yeah. <laughs> and I was super confused. And hungry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just looked for the photo that I was thinking of to show you what Chad Hitachi looks like, but I sent you a screenshot, or a photo, and then like remember screen capping our conversation because of your response, but it was like I had fried chicken in bed next to the body pillow, Goals. And like Hitachi, and I was like, Friday night winning. And you're like, no. <laughs> this is the diary of as, a sad woman. As a friend, we have to step in. Yeah. Yeah. This is a suicide note. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, to end that with winning doesn't feel right. I know. It's, it's a cry for help. Yeah. Uh, Masha, you have like a little game for us today. I do. Yes. Do y'all want to play? I do want to play. <laughs> All right. Today, in summer, honor of your visit, Samar. Samar. Samar had, summer had no idea. Just changing your name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she had no idea we're playing this, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's okay. You don't have to. Um, I figure since we have two sex therapists here today, Adam Mar, Summer Porlakani, this would be really good. All right? Yes. Uh, so, I'm going to read the name of a fetish with its definition, and you will tell me if it's an actual fetish or... Um, or not a fetish in a game we call fetish no fetish. <laughs> All right. Oh my God, you're gonna dominate me. <laughs> I mean, in your dreams. Yeah. I do have a disclaimer though. Yes. Um, so if something here is listed as no fetish, that doesn't mean there's no one in the world that appreciates this or participates in this. It just means that I could not find that word and connect it with the definition I've given it. Yeah. So. So um, yeah, because we come in the position that if you can dream it, you can cream it. Yes. <laughs> That's a, a good twist on the Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're so, welcome. You know, submit all complaints to willnotread.net. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so here we go. Starting off, 
Um, acrotomophilia, the attraction to amputees. Oh, fetish or no fetish? That's for fetish. sure a fetish. Ding, ding, ding. That's yeah. a fetish and a half. Yeah, got it. You're going to have the upper hand because I have to think about spelling. I'm like, mm -mm. <laughs> uh, Do you think I can spell? <laughs> you are being far too kind. My spelling is atrocious. And I have to like write a resource down or something for a client and I can't like use my computer. I'm like, uh, you're going to be like, this person's helping me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Dacryphilia. The arousal caused by tears or crying. Fetish, mine for sure. Oh wow, getting <laughs> somewhere. I thought it was like an attraction to rum-based fruity drinks. <laughs> I, my mom has that. That might she be does. necessary after a good cry. She's yeah. into it. She, your mom in a banana daiquiri. Yeah, they are a match made in heaven. Although she doesn't, um, as much as she likes daiquiris, she does not like to admit that she drinks them. Yeah, <laughs> so we're just like outing her here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. I came home early from uh, college one weekend. And it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I used my key to get into their house. And they were in the kitchen with the blender running, so they didn't hear me open the door. And when they finally saw me standing there, my mom screamed, Fruit drinks! <laughs> Fruit drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. She's like, we're on the whole 10 right now, whatever it's called. Whole 30? What the fuck do people do nowadays? What's it called? Are people on, are two people, do people still do South Beach? Is that still a thing? Uh, yeah, I'm sure people do. Like, people who are dead? Yeah, yeah, it's like a high-fat, no-carb situation. Oh, God. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah. Short-term use only. I mean, any of that stuff is shenanigans. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Up next, porcinophilia, the arousal of anything related to pigs. Hmm. I'm sure people are aroused. Oh, yeah, that for sure. But whether it's that word. Can you spell it, please? Oh <laughs> sure. <laughs> P-O-R-C-I-N-E-O-P-H-I-L-I-A. Now, I'm no. going to say, I do love a cum pig. <laughs> exactly. I don't think that's real. You are correct. Yes. Yay! Yes. Yeah. I was thinking about Some... foods I wish I could eat, and I thought of uh, pork Pigs. skins. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, porcine products. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so, why I knew it wasn't one, because I was like, that's that's too easy. Like, it's too close. <laughs> they usually like to put something out there that's like just really wild and out there, and you're like, how the fuck do I pronounce I know. this? <laughs> I now want someone to do a drawing of Summer as Summer pig Pigacolani. Oh, yeah. That could be cute. Pork Yeah. Pork Yes. <laughs> I've gotten pork a lot. Yeah. I'm like, where Where did you, how did, no. Like <laughs> it's it. so phonetic. It's just intimidating, y'all. Yeah. It'd be a cute drawing. Yeah. Glasses and all. Um, <laughs> and purple hair. Yeah. Uh, aviophilia. Arousal of flying. Oh. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. That feels like a yes, but I don't want to sound like I just said it because of you. <laughs> Either way. That's <laughs> not. Really? It's not. I know. You think it would be, though, right? Yeah. yeah. People love to do it on planes. They do. Hmm. I think it's partly the thrill, partly, like, the teamwork that goes into doing it well. Right, because yeah. you have to like work together as a unit to be like, yeah, bump, 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 bump. So easy to, like, to get caught. Yeah, such a small space. Yeah, you remember a while it's a high difficulty level. Yeah, <laughs> every time I go in one, I'm like, how do people have sex in here? This, yeah. you know what? <laughs> For a while, there was like a Tumblr before Tumblr got all like fucking religious on us and non nudity, uh, where people would take dick pics in planes and like post that on, <laughs> on a particular Tumblr. <laughs> it was great. It was just like dicks in blue water. That's adorable. Yeah. Hmm. R.I.P. All right. 
There we go. I thought you had a stroke. <laughs> I was my eyeballs are straining. I'm very yeah. old. Yeah, I was like, Michelle, go towards the light. I want to get. It's getting difficult. Get money it's difficult to see. Uh, for mycophilia, the arousal by insects crawling or nibbling on skin. Mm. Nibbling or mycophilia. I mean, I've never heard of that, so I wouldn't know the term either way. But it, again, doesn't it mean it doesn't exist? I'm gonna say no, just because I have no. I'm gonna say idea. yes. Just to be contrary. Ding, ding, ding. So yes. Yes. Damn it. Also, the first 40 times I read this, I was reading it as Fromycophilia, which I thought maybe was the arousal <laughs> to kitchen floors in the 70s. I yeah. don't know. If you're really into, like, avocado green, you're going to love this fetish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. How about Nacrophilia, a fetish relating to harnesses? That's such a guess. I'm going to go with Summer on this one, yes. Yeah. It's a no. Ah, oh, son of a <gasps> bitch. Summer, this is the last time I listened to you. Apparently way back in the day, <laughs> knackers were people who built harnesses. Oh, okay. I mean, there might be a harness. Oh, fetish. I mean, people are definitely <laughs> Right. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, though, and I couldn't find it. So, My gosh. Yeah. One more? Yes. All right. Yeah, because I'm losing right now. <laughs> wow. You're on this podcast. I think you've already lost. Yeah, true. <laughs> there's, there's no winning at this point. <laughs> How about a basiophilia, the attraction to devices that immobilize, such as neck braces, wheelchairs, and casts? Uh, I'm going to go with true. I feel like that's a true. Absolutely real. Yeah. yeah. You're in the medical field, so I was like, I know this little bitch. I am. <laughs> I, when I see people coming at me with a neck brace or a cast, all I think is, ah, God damn it, this is work. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get around. Nope. Not You're not all. like, oh, yeah, put that in the spank bank for later. <laughs> No. And that concludes our game. Oh my goodness, fetish, you. no fetish. <laughs> fetish, no fetish. And I won, of course, because I'm fabulous. Uh, okay. I wasn't keeping track, but obviously I, I was. Mar- <laughs> yeah. And Mariah was. She's letting me know right now with a thumbs yeah. up. Thank you, Mariah. Persian Hermione Granger over here was very aware of the score. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that because Mariah doesn't have a mic, I can just... Just make up anything. Yeah, anything she's doing. Mariah, put your top back on. You're a married woman. <laughs> you can't do that in here. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, not that married, you know. <laughs> Jordan is a lucky, lucky man. Did he know he's going to be on the podcast today? He did not. Jordan, if you're listening, if you hurt her, we will come for you. <laughs> okay. All right, back to Summer. Yeah. So, Summer, can we talk a little bit about, you know, having sex and dating with disabilities? Because I think that's something that often doesn't get talked about in our community. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a concern, especially with narcolepsy specifically, which is what I was diagnosed with um, in Girl, you got 2017. To t- you want to tell people what narcolepsy is? Oh, I will. Because they have probably like the <laughs> image common. of like you just like comically fall asleep. Hollywood, thank you for that. Yeah. It's just like falling down, which, you know, is not to like a slumber, but like I have collapsed and that's the cataplexy. So um, to define this, which I should have written one of those down. Um, but narcolepsy is um, an autoimmune disease at this point. They're saying that that's the case um, since it's a neurological disease that affects sleep. So it's also known as a sleep disorder. Um, but recent studies have shown that, you know, it's it's got to be an autoimmune disease because what I'm missing is um, a lot of neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the word's slipping my mind right now because that's helpful. <laughs> um, but it's what helps us fall into REM sleep. So I'm basically 
Um, like melatonin? No, it's um, orexin. That's the word. Oh, there we go. So one of the symptoms is loss of concentration and memory retention. So that was proof of that. The uh, seconds away from <laughs> yeah. snoring. That's, yeah. that's, that's why you keep coming back to me for friendship. Oh, like I forget yeah. <laughs> how terrible you can be. <laughs> like Charlie Brown and I am just going to pull that football every time. Oh. You gross bitch. Well. <laughs> terrible. Hopefully, in the next five years, I'll figure something out. Yeah. But basically, if it takes um, a quote-unquote normal person, but a person without narcolepsy, um, you know, 60 to 90 minutes to fall into REM sleep, mm-hmm. it takes me anywhere between 5 and 20 minutes. And so um, basically, I just never have quality sleep. It's like the best way I found it described is if you've been awake for 72 hours, that's my baseline. So um, and then... The symptoms that I think people confuse it for, um, cataplexy is a loss of muscle control whenever you experience any intense or high emotions. So someone shocks you, like jumps out from around the corner, might be on the floor if I'm really upset or if I'm laughing or orgasming. Um, Yeah, that can kick in. And it can be anything from like, you know, excessive yawning, like back to back to back to the point where it can put me to sleep. Or it could be, you know, feeling weak, which is why I walk with a cane. But it's also, you know, it can keep me from driving if I'm, like, upset in traffic, which never happens, at least. But Yeah, I was going to say, without your cane, people might not assume that you're living with a disability. And that can be challenging because then people oh, yeah. write all sorts of narratives about how your body might function or work or yeah. what's going on. I'm you. anticipating the ugly note on my car because I now have, like, the placard for parking. Oh. And, like, if I get out without my cane, I'm just like, do, 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 and, right. like, walk up. I don't, I'm, I'm anticipating that note. Mm-hmm. So, which is shitty. But I know people have gotten that before. I see it, like, viral online. It happened to my friend. So, yeah. Yeah, so what is it like dating and, like, having sex when you have this disability? Um... So to be completely honest, one of the reasons I want this to be a topic to be talked about is because it has been difficult for me. I used to be someone who, like, wanted to know whether I was, you know, had sexual chemistry with someone pretty shortly after meeting them. And now it's like that's not even on my radar. Um, And it is because something like a kiss can kick in the cataplexy if it's a really good one. Um, So which will also be an indicator of whether or not I want to see you in bed. But (laughs) (laughs) if you can make me paralyzed, then keep looking in these eyes. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the potential for a dangerous situation is pretty high. Exactly. And I don't know why people don't talk about that because it's like old me who wanted to like fuck on the second or third date. If not the first, um, yeah. If you're gay, I hope we my do mom that. Never listens to this. Oh, she's she's, <laughs> she's a contributor. <laughs> she's coming in right after you. Um, no, but if you're like a, a man who loves men, then we might fuck first and then go on a date. So hey, that's how I like to do everything when I'm actually with the person. I'm like yeah. dinner, nah, dessert no. first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. I have a, always I have a date with a frisky friend this evening, and I was like, we're gonna fuck first, and then I'm gonna like fill you with carbs. <laughs> I'm not gonna name anybody, but I definitely. Went to someone's house for dinner, and then when we put down the groceries to make dinner, um, we ended up fucking on the table, like against the table. Broke the glass um, because like the table just got pushed into like the back glass. And then we're like, well, we might as well just keep going because we can't do anything about that right now, right? And so we kept going, and then we had pulled the table out a little, and uh, the corner that had hit it. And then instead, we just put the other corner closer to the window, and then broke it again, like in another section. And we were like. Okay, now we have to stop. <laughs> so, yeah. but um, so specifically about the um, cataplexy and sex part, it like it's not like I have 
immense trust built with someone that I've just met maybe one or two, three times. Um, but I have to have something or, you know, at this point, I honestly don't know. I don't know what I would have to have to make sure that they don't take advantage of something yeah. if in bed if I have an ad, uh, a cataplexy attack or a sleep attack. And I would imagine that is a conversation I would be full of, too, that, like, hi, yeah. you might not need to necessarily call 911 if this happens. Here's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, medical bracelets are great for that, too, which I'm not wearing one because I lost it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a really um, troubling duo, art, narcolepsy and and cataplexy, mm-hmm. is that the common combination or is that just... There's a type 1 and 2, so some uh, people have cataplexy and others don't. Um, I don't know if there's one that's more common than the other, but I definitely have type 1. So, uh, yeah. Which I never suspected because I was on antidepressants that kind of helped with that. And so like getting off antidepressants after getting diagnosed and then being like, why am I falling everywhere yeah. was interesting. And was, the other thing I was wondering is there's medication that can help regulate narcolepsy. Do they have anything for cataplexy? I mean, even the narcolepsy, it's, um, it's, we've got the Band-Aid solution, and we've got the one thing that kind of helps with it, but there's no real, real solution. Because the one thing that you can take with narcolepsy to get good sleep is Zyrum, and that's, um, that has GHB in it. So it's oh. basically roofing yourself to sleep, which as someone who lives Love alone. I, if you were a man who loved men, girl, you would not have a hard time finding a date. Yeah, but, yeah, you sure. know, taking that, you have to take a second dose in the middle of the night, and that's when people, like, wake up and sleepwalk and, like, eat stuff and, like, Drive. trip. And, like, like I read this horror story about someone tripping in a bathroom and, like, breaking their tooth yeah. on the sink. And I was like, don't need that. No. <laughs> like, don't need my building to be on fire and for me to not be able to wake up either. So. True. Yeah. So what advice would you give to people who are living with disability and looking to date? or hook up, have sex? Um, For me, it's just about transparency. Like, if I have any sort of online dating profile, it's already out there. Like, there's no way I'm going to make it to the first date if someone doesn't even understand my energy level, let alone what it's like to have sex with me. So you have to, like, your perspective is tell them up front. Like, this is what's up. This is is what it really might mean to connect with me. Yeah. And and I'm worthwhile, and if you want to, get on it. And if it's not for you... And, and move on. It's a good test. It's like sexual health. If you ask about things like papers and people are like, mm, no, I haven't been tested in a while. I don't, you know, I don't need it. Or, you know, like to me, it's like your answer is what helps me gauge my interest. Yeah. So if you can't even handle this conversation, how are you going to handle right. the situation yeah. when it arises? If I cancel on you uh, last minute because of a spoon theory thing, like, um, you know, is that something you're going to hold against me or take personally? Like, you just have to understand, sometimes I really can't, no matter whether or not I want to. Yeah, do you want to tell people what the spoon theory is? Yes. Um, and I can't remember who was uh, the one who came up with it, but basically I've always explained spoons to friends, clients, like anyone who has has to interact with me or wants to interact with me. Um, That's limited people. <laughs> um, <laughs> keep going. Um, so... The spoon theory, if I were to say, you know, someone who doesn't have a chronic illness or something medical or mental, that basically can be debilitating at times. Um, If you have 20 spoons when you start in your day and I have 15 because of something like a sleep disorder or if, you know, you're supposed to remove a spoon from someone who's considered healthy and doesn't have anything to, to have to manage. But if you have 20, you're supposed to take away a spoon if you're sick. I'm sorry, multiple spoons if you're sick. Like, one, if you forgot your meds, if you forgot to eat, if you had, you know, bad sleep the night before. 
And then there are some people who just start lower than others. So if I were at 15 and you were at 20, everything takes a spoon. So Mm -hmm. getting out of bed can take a spoon. I always joke about showering's two spoons for me because my hair and my hair dye. I'm like, don't let it look like a Smurf dyed in your bathtub. So oh it's not something I can just do really easily. I'm going to introduce you to my friend Dry Shampoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's good. Mm. She's delicious. My hair looks amazing right now. Don't be jealous. So <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Oh, my gosh. I've rubbed off on you, and I'm regretting it. No. Oh. Well, um, so with that spoon theory, you're supposed to manage your spoons throughout the day and see you know, how much you're putting out for even things like texting can be a spoon so literally everything and by the end of the day if you are negative you start negative the next day and so like that doesn't help anything at all um but yeah I think it's a good way for me to try to explain like where I'm coming from how I'm feeling what I'm able to do in any given day what do you wish like people who might be interested in someone who is living with disability what do you wish for them to know I think that I I wish people would be more curious. Um, even in their questions, I feel like a lot of it's like they have an answer that they're looking for when they ask. They're like, well, you know, I had a friend of mine actually say, like, how did you pull that off when they realized that I had the permit now for parking? And I was like, okay, maybe the right way to ask that was like, you know, what got you to this point or what's going on in your life? Like, if you want to be vague or if you want to be specific, but if yeah. the per- the parking permit is what you're wondering about, saying something like, how did you pull that off was such a like, terrible way to put it. Like, like, like scam the system. Right. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I totally tricked my doctor into believing yeah. that I had a lifelong, like, debilitating disability. <laughs> so, but cool. Yeah, definitely to go out to park next to the restaurant and you had to park, yeah. you know, streets away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I, I think part of this in American culture is that, uh, we tend to teach people to like not notice no, notice differences, right? So if someone is living with a disability that is visible, how many times does a parent say like, oh, like don't look at them or don't don't stare, don't gawk, don't interact? And the message is, you know, don't be curious. Yeah. And I think that leaves a lot of people kind of in this spot of not knowing how to negotiate those conversations. Yeah. Yeah, like if a stranger came up to me, I'd be like, mm, even if someone who is like a friend of a friend or at a party, like, I don't want to talk about this all the time. And I already have to explain it to friends who maybe I haven't seen in a while who see me approach like a party or an event with a cane. And then they're like, what's going on there? And I'm like, mm, you know, like, I just don't want to talk about this every time I leave the house as well. Yeah. So the attention it gets is it's a bit wild. It, it's interesting to me that as people, <laughs> as people, we are often encouraged to identify with like the most marginalized parts of ourselves and like live in that space to represent that space to be an advocate for that space, and that can get exhausting. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think that. Um, I wish people would do more of their own research. Like, I mean, no matter what I do to try to educate people, like my. My sad OK Cupid profile has links for all of this stuff. Where it's yeah. like, here's a link for narcolepsy. Here's a link for cataplexy. Here are things that you would have to think about. Like, if you ever yeah. date someone, it was like a blog someone wrote about dating, and so and then like the messages I'll get are like, what's narcolepsy? And like, and you're and, like, bitch, I gave you everything to go do this research yeah. on your own. It's always like that, and it's not even. I mean, I still have people who are like, what sex or trivia? And I'm like that thing that I linked that I said that I did once upon a time on my profile. Like, people just don't want. They want us to do the labor for them. Yeah. So. I think that's accurate. People often do. Yeah. Can we talk about fetish specifically? <laughs> Since you both uh, help clients with fetish and deal in that, do y'all participate in the world? fetishes um or is that not something we can talk about i'm trying to i feel like i could go 
please feel free to edit this out. I'm trying to figure out how you're, like, what the question means. Oh, I mean, like, do you have your own fetishes? Do you, um, yeah, participate in like how the community? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was like, disability specific? I, <laughs> like, well, and, yeah. I, I think there's an important thing yeah. to note here. Like, fetishizing people because of... Yes their disability or being a person of color, mm-hmm. you know, those things all are dehumanizing. So it's not, it's seeing them as only one finite piece of who they are. It's not yeah. seeing them as a whole person. And, and, so. and I have so many like toes dipped in like different pools that I honestly wouldn't like recognize that immediately, I think, um, just because it's like, oh, I'm queer and kinky and poly and Muslim and, you know, I'm Persian and a child of immigrants and yeah. have a disability, like, like English second you're, language for life. You're like, like the person no one can argue with. Right? Like, in, I've, in I will hold that card. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if I would recognize that right away. Um, but oh, let me tell you how I help people sort this out in therapy. Please. It's the idea that, like, if that's all they talk to you about, if that's like mm. what they're excited about to talk about with you, yeah, do they objectify you without your permission? Because you know, I know lots of people who are marginalized who are like, "Oh, I actually like that in my sexuality." Sure. And I'm more than that. I'm not just this one piece. So right. Every time you text me, is it a, about this element of my identity? Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you're putting it that way because that's it, it's a good way to look at it. I don't think I've recognized it happening to me before. Definitely with things like. Persian. Persian's the biggest one. Everyone's like, ooh, that's so exotic. I'm like, yes, but (laughs) there's more to that. But no one's done it with, like, narcolepsy or my disability or any of that, um, luckily. I mean, if they see me with a cane, if we're good enough friends, they might want to try, like, hitting me with it. But, like, (laughs) that's just fun. That was, like, the first time one of my partners saw me with, like, my new cane. He was like, all right, let's see here. Yeah, let's (laughs) test this this baby out. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, I I mean, we're both in the world of fetishes and kinks. Very much so. Mm Mm-hmm. I I love it when I have like new clients come in and they are so anxious to tell me about some fetish they might have and they're like looking around the room and they're like oh yeah I kind of I kind of like feet and I'm like <laughs> cool lots of people <laughs> like feet lots of people like a lot of things yeah it's all good baby it's sweet yeah <laughs> how old were you when you realized that you were first interested in a particular type of fetish I mean like at what point does that happen. Um, it took me a few tries, I think. Like, I discovered kink in high school um, when I was, like, 17 with my boyfriend. And, you know, he was like, look at the porn I watch. And I was like, that's, like, hook suspension, and that's intense, and, like, holy fuck. Um, But then that's what got us to start exploring. Um, And I definitely was, like, topping from the bottom. um, And, you know, didn't really... You? (laughs) No, what? Um, (laughs) But, you know, I didn't didn't really explore it for me then I explored it for him so it wasn't until um kind of around the same time frame that we met Adam um that I got back into it both like it was first professionally and then it was like and I think personally for sure it was so funny (laughs) in supervision because you were like oh I want to help this community I'm just gonna learn a lot about it I'm just gonna go to these parties which is a freak (laughs) I know I'm going to these parties for work yeah I'm like okay okay Mm -hmm. That's the narrative she's telling. Uh, for me, I knew at a really early age, like I was watching Saved by the Bell and the fantasies I was creating with A.C. Slater were <laughs> very much about my fetish. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this is just me. Looking back, I can kind of be like, oh, no wonder. But like, you know, I was introduced to Rocky Horror at like eighth grade. like, And so like seeing something like that, like watching the end of the scene where they're like all in like lingerie and 
um, dancing on stage, and then they jump in the pool together, and everyone's touching each other, and it's just like, okay, well, that's normal. Um, yeah. I think theater uh, club really helped with that. Like, drama club kids are definitely... Were you a theater person? Yes, I was. What? Were you backstage? I was mostly a crew person, yeah. Yes, bitch. What did you do crew? <laughs> I was a crew person myself. Hmm? I was a crew person myself. What yeah. were you? Mostly, like, costumes and, like, props and stuff. It's just running around, like... I was tall, so they made me, like, a lightsmith. Oh. <laughs> I love that title. I did yeah. not know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. I was, like, the king of the gobos, so... Oh, so you know no. Well, um, other things that I think could give me a little bit of an indicator is, like, my Barbies were having gangbangs, like, oh, all yes. the time. <laughs> And I was like, no wonder. That's like, Holy Mattel. She like yeah. made Skipper watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had like one Ken doll and he was like never invited. <laughs> my mom would walk in and I'd shove them all under my bed and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> so, nice. yeah, I think kink is definitely a part of my identity at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important yeah. piece of all this for people too is that like identifying with a kink or fetish I look at it as there's, like, varying degrees, right? Like, some people just want to dip a toe or explore. It's something they like every now and then. And for some people, they, like, live the life. Like, it is a part of their identity. They might be living it 24-7. Yeah. No, that's – I mean, I think I, I realize, realize how much more involved in it I was, like, like whether it was personally or emotionally or mentally whenever I had surgery in December – and then I couldn't do anything for, like, two months. And for someone who didn't really identify as a masochist but was dating a sadist, like, I just was like, oh, my baby masochist, man, you know, pain tolerance low. And I'm like, that is true. But then I started craving the pain. And then I was like, oh, I am. I better put that hat on. Like, <laughs> like I wanted as much as I wanted sex. Yeah. Like, and it went hand is. in hand a lot. So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that I was, like, a lot. I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, y'all. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Else? Oh, I thought you had another question. That's uh, why I've got plenty of questions. <laughs> I've got questions. Um, how do you navigate participating uh, in the kink community and still maintaining like a professional division? That is a question I think I get a lot that I usually ignore because <laughs> I'm like I had to igno- <laughs> like navigate that on my own and figure out what worked for me. And then when everyone's like, "How do you do this?" I'm like, "I don't want to use the spoons to talk about this." Like oh, in an right. email, random colleague I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I look at it like this. I just tell people off the muscle, like in our informed consent. I mm-hmm. first sit down. I'm like, Same. "You're going to see me in a lot of spaces where our subcultures exist. Yep. Queer spaces, sex positive spaces." If that is not for you, that is okay. And I can refer you to some folks who are knowledgeable uh, that just won't be as likely to be in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if that doesn't bother you, then great. Yeah. And then my, my general rule of thumb for my practice is if it's a public space, then we are all there as the public. If it is a private party, then I'm going to excuse myself for whomever might be there that it might be a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I do. I have an informed consent. Now it's like even if you email me from my website, like it's like name, phone number, email. Are you in the kink poly burner scene, like et cetera? Like so um, it's definitely something I think about more. I think before when I first started my practice, it was a lot about like being there for these like populations no matter what. And now I'm like, but I also want to be part of it. So like having to give up the like, you know, 
privilege to play in public yeah. was a big sacrifice that I still like feel iffy about. I know some people go on trips, so they'll like just leave the yeah. city yeah. and go like I'm gonna go to New York and have like nope. a big two week play week. That's Is actually that you? that's actually a common <laughs> practice for a lot of priests. Yeah. 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 The Catholic Church. And then uh, I know some people in Austin who are in the scene and also mental health professionals who just have like a small, tight knit play group. Mm -hmm. So they're like, all right, it's just me and these five people, and they know what's up, they know my profession. Mm-hmm. So we just work it that way. Yeah, yeah, I was part of a smaller thing that that helped me a lot, especially because they had like a list you could refer to of all the people that were like part of it. I was like, just make sure that moment comes up when a client is like on the list, and then I'm done. But um, like any person's like get together party, anything like I've got my work profile and my public like my, my work that is my public profile, and then my private like friends only one. And they invite me on both so I can cross-check because my clients are all blocked on my personal one. And then, like, at least with the work one, I can check yeah. to see, oh, if there's that many clients attending, I'm I'm going to excuse myself. But if it's, like, one and who knows if they'll show yeah. up, I might try, like, making an appearance. Right. If I have the spoons, of course. <laughs> uh, Summer, I wonder, like, what has been your experience being a, like, queer person of color in the worlds of kinks and fetishes? This is the one thing that I wasn't sure how I wanted to tackle because I know you and I've talked about it. Yeah. I even reread a little bit of the thing that I sent you, but I my god! So Summer will send me like a manifesto, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Okay, sounds good." <laughs> the feedback I give to her often. This one was different. It was so nice. You're like, "That's a bedpost piece," and I was like, "Oh, oh, I can't be sweet. Don't tell anyone." <laughs> Sorry, I added you. Um... <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> Um, but in this one, I, I can't remember what post triggered it. There's definitely a link that I think was involved in that, so I can always go back and look, um, which doesn't matter because we're here now. Um, but um, it was so much about um, – I, I really don't want to word this badly, so I'm going to think about that. But basically I felt – my response to you was that I felt really invisible. Yeah. And I was like, for people who um, who were only looked at as like – you know, villains and like in media, like why is it that we're never included in any other conversation? Like if there's some sort of, you know, event, like uh, hmm, words, edit please. Um, Summer, if there's we're, an, go, we're gonna slow down. <laughs> um, Do if you, there's a shooting or yeah. if there's a terrorist attack somewhere, um, I mean, Middle Eastern people, like Muslims, are all basically pointed at. And then yeah. like in any other conversation, I was actually rereading um emily nagowski's book and when she was going over statistics for women like middle eastern wasn't on there like every consensus there's nothing on there that i feel like i can check um so for for as much as i feel like islamophobia is rampant no one's talking about us in any other way yeah and i would imagine like in, in sex positive communities right we are diverse communities so people come with all sorts of political standings and beliefs and in those communities, you might see reflections of some of that internalized racism. Yeah. Or no. racism. We're definitely talking about it more, it seems. Yeah. Like, I've seen people talk about it on Facebook and FetLife. And um, luckily, the owners of the Bacchanal, which is, like, the Austin community kink house that people, like, have parties at, um, he's um, black and married to a white woman and like they talk about race all the time because people stare at them still and they're like why is this still happening 
Um, so trying to even bring like diverse music by like people of color to places like Shrine, like the kink event that's held at Collect Club instead of just like rage screamo music. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm glad we're talking everyone. about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Summer, where can people find you if they want to, like, follow you and know what you're doing in the world? Well, um, I would say Instagram would be the best place to find me um, because I barely update Facebook, but I'm on both. On Instagram, I'm Intimate Matters, one word. And then on Facebook, it's um, facebook.com slash Austin Intimate Matters. Yeah, and what, if any, projects do you have coming up here? (laughs) Editing all the bedpost pieces that I have not submitted, probably. Oh, my goodness. what I really want to be uh, busy with is someone paying me to travel the world to talk about sex and kink. Like, yeah. that would be a dream. So you're like, hi. <laughs> hit me up, people. Humans listening. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. Pay There's me. a show like that already on Netflix, and I watched it, and I was like, it's so judgmental. Like, I think it was called, like, Love and Sex. It was, like, super basic, but it was some news anchor, yeah. and I watched the Berlin episode, and I was like, you're a judgy little cunt. Like, why don't I have this job? Is <laughs> it Yamanpur? I don't remember her name. Okay. Like... Yeah, it was like details slip, right? Um, but that's yeah, it is okay. Um, thank you, Mariah. Yeah, I was like, hmm, appreciate you. Um, but that would be what I would love to do. Yeah, it's interesting to me when people who are not in these worlds or haven't studied them or understand them get to talk about them because they oftentimes come at this space of like, look how bizarre it is. And yeah, I'm like, bitch, it's not bizarre if you like understand it yeah i was like like, how's that helpful at all like i think that you're trying to do us a favor by like going to berlin and talking to people who do rope and like are into kinky things but i'm so glad the person she was interviewing just kept shutting her down it was great it was so much fun to watch (laughs) well summer thank you for being here with us today thank Thank you you so much for having me i really appreciate it yes michelle thank you for being here you know what else was I going to do? Nothing. <laughs> what? You don't watch cartoons all Saturday morning? No. Cuddle that mustache. Um, <laughs> people are going to think it's a sex term. Oh, uh, sorry. You're, ta- you're talking about our dog. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Mariah Gossett, you're an angel sent from heaven. Yes. Always. On your way to hell. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because of you. <laughs> Michelle, speaking of Grinder, oh yeah, we were talking about something that is on our shit list when, in Grinder world. Uh, what's that? That we were talking about taps. Oh yeah. So for the straight people listening, uh, Grinder has a feature where you can literally just do the least amount of uh, labor. You push a button, and it taps the other person, and that's their way of communicating with you. Like it's the equivalent of. Standing in line, someone taps you on the shoulder, and you turn around, and, and they, they say just, nothing. They just smile at you. Not even. Sometimes they don't even have a picture. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Uh, and I was like, how? Like, uh, are we are we that lost as yeah. people? <laughs> yeah, on your side of the account, it's like, someone tapped you. And there's, like, no message, of course. Yeah, I don't know. if I really hate it. It's super dumb and lazy. And also, if the least amount of effort you're going to put into... I don't know, possibly getting me to have sex with you is to just push a single button and not have an ounce of conversation, then you're probably not going to do a whole lot in person either. Yeah, you're probably going to push like (laughs) one button and be done yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, Uh, I don't get it at all. And then like, I hate when people like message me and they give me like one word answers. Yeah. I feel like that's more effort than a tap. 
like when somebody messages you for the first time and they're like, hey, and that's it. It's super weird, but I'd even prefer that over tap. Yeah, a tap is like, what's the, what's like one of those forms of like, you know how like man evolved? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like a tap is like Cro Magnum man. Cro Magnon, yeah. Yeah. And then like sup is, what's the next level? Let's go to all the way to Australopithecus. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Australopithecus. Right. I see you, girl. Can you put some effort in? Yes. At least try to be Homo sapien. <laughs> and use some words. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Taps. <sighs> I even wrote in my profile at one point, um, come on, grinder, get rid of taps already. And then I would constantly get messages from people after they tap me. Uh, why do you not like taps? I don't get it. I'm like, okay, block. <laughs> you purposely messaged me just to argue with me about taps. Yeah. Unnecessary. Anyway. Grinder is kind of what you make of it, but you can definitely find a shit show on there. Yeah, I feel like all apps, all dating apps like, are like that, right? It's kind of like all human behavior. Yeah, well. <laughs> We're like, yeah. here's alcohol. It's delicious, and it can also make you do some really terrible things. Do what you will, humanity. Right, right. <laughs> You know, you can't expect too much. (laughs) (laughs) I have low expectations for humanity and apps. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Thanks for listening to another episode of Me and My Gorgeous Husband. I am gorgeous. True. (laughs) Keep following along, and new episodes will be coming soon all over your face. <laughs> Me and my gorgeous husband is produced by Mariah Gossett, Adam Marr of Moon Tower Counseling, and Michonne Fontenot. That's me. <clears throat> yeah, that is you. Show me that beautiful butt. <laughs> Tag team. Back again. We'll be around, I guess, next week or sometime. Tune back in. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>